This is the golden question. Hello, hello, guys. Welcome to episode four of the Golden Question podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be answering one simple question, uh, and that's it's subjective. It might not be simple for you, um, but essentially, it's how can government help during these times of crisis? I'm going to be listing out some several reasons, and you might see a pattern in them. Um, so again, this one I'm uploading a little bit late because I was a bit busy. Uh, in the morning, today is the first day of class, class resuming. Uh, we sort of had a one-week break, and uh, over the past week and now we're resuming classes on Monday. So I'm sort of, I mean, I'm sort of doing uh, a little bit more schoolwork, but it shouldn't hinder my, my ability to push out more podcasts. So I'll continue to try to do them every day. And what's what's funny is that I'm, I'm sitting down and I'm seeing the education online, and it's it's really astonishing how it's working. The fact that I'm able to sit on my desk, the comfort of my own home, not spend money on, on food because if I had to travel, I'm going to have to eat outside. I could stay at home. I don't have to waste time, right? Time is, is limited, obviously. I, I, if I would prefer not to waste it, and I don't have to waste it on commuting. So there's a lot of benefits to online education. And I think because the government has taken over the education system, it hasn't allowed the education system to sort of evolve and grow. And I think 10 years ago, we should have already been online educating, but because it's controlled by the government, we're still sort of caveman style education where we sit down in a classroom, the teacher's lecturing us and she's giving up papers and textbooks and all these things, again, are we're wasting paper. Meanwhile, you could be doing stuff online. So again, it's all this stuff that the government does, but it backfires because it, it just the government is so behind and so inefficient that it actually hurts us in the long term because now right let's just say global warming is something that should be taken seriously why aren't we moving to online education why is education still in schools why isn't the government uh, why hasn't the government moved to online education i mean we've we we've, we've known about global warming 20 30 years ago so why haven't we moved and it's because government is slow government is there's no profit motive there's no incentive for them to improve the system. They actually, uh, a lot of these uh, education systems are heavily unionized. And so they they would prefer to just have as many people. Because if, if you realize if they move online, they're going to have to fire a lot of people. Because you're going to, essentially you don't have 50 administrative staff working in the office doing nothing. Just sitting there picking their noses. So essentially what I'm saying is this online education system truly shows you how inefficient government education is and if we just let the private sector i mean all these pro all these uh programs that i'm using now for online are all private right i'm using zoom for video i'm using blackboard all these are private companies that are evolving but again we're being hindered by by our ability to to evolve and to improve our our current state because of the government which has no incentive to improve but actually has an incentive to um, push it back and 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 yeah push it back because that's how government operates so how can government help first thing i would do is stop these lockdowns stop these emergency um, orders excuse me because again this is all hindering people's freedom right at the end of the day 
everybody knows that the coronavirus is dangerous. The, the, the government, when, when they're out there on, on, these, on these news conferences and they're talking about people not taking it seriously, I'm pretty sure everybody knows what the coronavirus is and how it transfers between people. Now, some people, they acknowledge that, but they're still continuing on with their daily life because it's their own choice. If somebody decides to go outside and take a walk or go inside and, and go to a business, it's their own voluntary action. It's their own consciousness that they chose to do those actions. It's not that they're ignorant. You may think that they're ignorant, but again, that's your opinion. They have a choice to do these things, even though people are telling them, don't go outside. Again, it's another thing if you just try to inform people about the virus, but it's another thing of forcing people. And now you see in New York right now, where I live, if you're caught outside, I mean, during certain times, you can get a fine, you can get jailed, I think, for a year. It's ridiculous. I mean, the fact that I can't go outside, regardless of what it is, I can't leave my house. And if they catch me doing something, I get fined and and possibly even thrown into jail. It really just shows you how the government uses these times of crisis to, to, to abuse its powers and sort of to show how powerful it is. So again, if I, if I, uh, I mean, last, uh, last week I decided to, uh, I think it was a couple days ago, actually, I decided to go to Dunkin' Donuts. I wanted some donuts at night. It was like seven o'clock. Um, and I went out to Dunkin' Donuts closed. My McDonald's was closed. I think maybe the drive-thru was open. Um, but there was a long line. They didn't allow anybody to sit in the restaurant. And you could see this is all because of government. The government has said you aren't able to sit in. That hurts us. Now we have to wait online on a drive-thru. A lot of places that don't have drive-thrus are closed. A lot of people that don't have delivering services, Dunkin' Donuts, for example, is closed. So you could see how people are are saying wait why are these businesses closing they they wouldn't close if they had an if they had their own freedom to keep themselves open but the government has hindered their freedom and forced them to close without leaving it us leaving it up to us to decide what we want for ourselves right if a business decides to stay open and you think that business is crazy for staying open then go don't go there but why should you force somebody else to not go to that business if if again it's the freedom of the individual that matters if somebody else decides to go to a store and you disagree with his opinion, you can't force your opinion on him. At the end of the day, it's your opinion. If you feel like the best thing for anybody to do is to stay home, just stay home. Now, you can go on television and tell people to stay home, but forcing people to stay home is another story. So I think stopping these lockdowns will help people recover in which people can go back to work. I mean, obviously, more people are working from home. Uh, uh, already but a lot of people who can't work from home they should still be work going to work now if they feel like the virus is is going to be detrimental to them like they, they know for a fact that if they go outside they might get sick then they should stay home they should have the savings to to be able to financially um survive i guess at home in which they could start take uh, taking money from their savings and that, i mean that's the whole point of having savings is to save for a rainy day like this like like a perfect example would be this this virus if there's a virus that you know you're going to get sick and you go outside and you might get sick so you decide to stay home you could then start eating away at your savings but 
that's another problem that we have to assess. Now, why don't people have enough savings to do this? Somebody might say, oh, well, if that person decides to stay home, then he doesn't have savings. All right, then let's answer that question. Why doesn't he have savings? It's because, again, first of all, if he put, puts his money, parks it in the bank, it's not getting any interest because interest rates are super low and everybody's in debt. The reason why people aren't saving is because the government incentivizes more and more people to take on more and more debt. He probably has a net, a negative net wealth because of all the debt he has incurred. Now, why is he taking on so much debt? It's because the Fed is pumping out cheap money into the economy and, and it's driving interest rates down and it's it's encouraging people to take on more and more debt. So right there, I solved that problem. People don't have savings because they've taken on too much debt because interest rates are too low. So you can see how all these problems, again, if you cascade them down to the root, it's because of government. In an ideal situation, an ideal capitalist economy, during this time, people are supposed to have savings so that they can cope with these losses, right? If I if there's a virus out there, people can stay home, but they could start using their savings to buy food, to order food. Businesses can have savings in and uh, business of businesses can have savings of themselves. Excuse me, businesses can have savings in themselves so that they can start paying their employees. Um, and and now, but unfortunately, businesses are also loaded up on debt. Uh, so everybody's loaded up on debt. And again, whenever there's a time of crisis, your income could, could go out, but your 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 debt is still there. That's the pe- that's the thing that people need to understand, right? Debt doesn't go away due to changes in the circumstances. Income could go away, right? Your income could decrease, your income could increase, your income just, could just go away uh, completely, but your debt is still there no matter what. So that's why debt is more much more dangerous than than uh than losing your income so the ability to have savings is the ability to have savings is what helps us get out of these times of crisis uh so number two don't prop up the stock market right the only people who are who want the stock market propped up are the people are right wealthy individuals millionaires billionaires who don't want to lose money all these people in wall street who don't want to lose money and if if you let the market tank, they're going to lose money because they've invested in all these companies that have taken on so much debt and now they're going to suffer the consequences by investing in companies that they know that can't be viable, right? A business is supposed to survive this. As I said, they're supposed to have savings. They're supposed to have the ability to, to, uh, to in during times of crisis, still pay their workers and have you know some sort of backup plan but obviously they don't they're loaded up on debt instead of instead of uh loaded up on savings and you're seeing that and the investors who invested in this should be punished and how does the market punish them by letting them lose money but again you're not seeing that you're seeing the the government quickly come in trying to prop up all these businesses that have and it's sort of again encouraging them to say you know what load up on debt if you have a loss the government will cover you so again it's private uh, gains, socialized losses. And again, the re- the fact that this bull market, this rally so far that we've had since the election of Trump, I mean, you can discount the end of 2018. The fact that all these gains were wiped out in less than a month shows you that this growth was unsustainable. It was a bubble growth, right? Bubbles pop easily. You just have to take a needle and the bubble goes away. Inflating the bubble... I'm sorry, 
Yeah, inflating a bubble is also easy. You just pump more air into the bubble. What takes time is actual real economic growth to grow. And and when you have real economic growth, it's hard for that economic growth to collapse because the 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 economy has a stronger foundation and it it needs it'll take a real crisis a large scale crisis for the for the economy to collapse but when you have a bubble economy a small thing i mean coronavirus is not a small thing but the fact that we've been only under quarantine for a week and the whole thing is is coming down shows you of this unsustainable bubble growth that we had since the election of Donald Trump and Donald Trump himself called it a bubble economy and he sort of just perpetrated and inflated the bubble even more. So I don't, again, I don't see people talking about that a lot. The fact that this growth was a bubble economy growth, right? It was a bubble growth. Uh, shows you how easy it is for for bubbles to get for bubbles to get popped, right? It may give you an illusion that they're being inflated, and it, they've been inflated at a, at a very drastic rate, but they can pop in less. Now that we see less less than a less than a month, and I guess another thing that business that the government could do is to help businesses um, during this time of crisis. And the only way to help them is to roll back some of these regulations. And it's weird, the, this stimulus bill is supposed to have tons and tons of layers of regulations at, piled onto it. I mean, you're gonna you're seeing. Uh, businesses forced to pay their companies paid leave and and and, and sick paid leave, um, and you wouldn't have to do any of this stuff if the businesses were were financially sound. The fact that businesses are not financially sound is the reason why they aren't able to provide these benefits for their workers. And other government is not only going to keep them financially unsound or not you know financially unstable, and now they're going to force businesses to adhere to all these new regulations that that's being uh, imposed on them and again this is this is the way that the government destroys an economy because what it does is it 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 regulates these businesses to the point where they can't operate until the businesses just collapse and the government takes over that's the, again that's the timeline that I've talked about in my other podcast the business um, the, the government makes it impossible for businesses to operate that's the whole that's the whole point it makes them impossible to operate by putting all these regulations on them and all this bureaucratic red tape until the point where the businesses just can't operate and all the businesses go bankrupt and now the sole provider for the for the economy has to be the government so as you can see the stimulus bill has a lot of government in it a lot of more regulations more uh more benefits uh, more forced, like I'm going to use forced benefits. Um, and this, again, this is just going to make it even harder for, for for companies to to recover if they have to apply with all these regulations. What you should be doing is actually taking the time now to roll back these regulations by saying, all right, there's a time of crisis. Let's roll back on these regulations to make it easier for, for you to do your business. And by in by rolling back the regulations, you're going to make it more easier for the company to operate. You're making it more profitable for the company, and then in that circumstance, the company could then afford to keep the workers on the payroll for another week or another two weeks. But it's the complete opposite, right? If you see somebody struggling, you don't come and then impose more 
uh, commands on them, right? If, if I'm very tired, I'm sweating, right? I just ran a mile. You don't tell the business, all right, now you have to run another, uh, run another block. You have to lift that. You have to do that. No, you don't do that. You have to make it easier for the business. How would making it harder for the business to operate by forcing all these regulations on it help the business during this time of crisis? I just don't see the logic in that. If you see these businesses struggling, Rightfully so, because they've, again, they, they're not supposed to struggle. They've taken on too much debt. But obviously, and again, that's why I'm listing all these all these things that the government has to do, because ideally it needs to do these in tangent. But you're seeing the businesses struggle. How is passing more regulations and telling them to do more things going to help the situation? I mean, if a business can't even pay their employees, how are they going to be able to afford to pay the pay them sick leave and all these things? And comply with these regulations. They're going to do that by taking on more debt. Right? Uh, I mean, if, if you're a business, you can't fire this person. And now you, you have to pay for, for them several weeks after after they leave you. The, the, only, the only real solution to that is for you to, to, to borrow more money. And it's the government is incentivizing you to borrow more money because it's, it's lower the interest rates. So I don't. We need to do the complete opposite, which is to make it easier for these businesses to operate. And once we make it easier for the business to operate, hopefully, when this virus goes away, you could see businesses really start to to improve and 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 get more financially stable. And then you'll realize, oh wait, maybe we didn't need all those regulations. In fact, in fact, maybe they they were hindering businesses. But again, during this time of crisis, we need to make it easier for businesses, not harder. And I guess one of the last things that I've thought of that the government could do is, again, once we recover and people, and again, we need to incentivize people to start saving. This is a perfect lesson. The fact that we've let this virus completely destroy our economic uh, foundation and the lack thereof actually proves to you that people aren't saving. The fact that this person, once he's once he's let go of the job, right away he's unemployed and right away he's, he's, he's in poverty. And he has all these debt proves to you that he didn't have any savings. And we've made it impossible for Americans to start saving. We need to make it easier for Americans to start saving. And and that means raising interest rates, not keeping interest rates too uh, too low. And, le- and letting businesses, um, again, not collect debt. And again, this is for everybody. We can't let people easily collect debt. And I think that's why uh, we see throughout history people demonizing debt because debt is never a way to prosperity you can never borrow your way to prosperity you can never print your way into prosperity and we've sort of made it accustomed to to americans now and i mean i'm in class i've taken a finance class and then they they all they're all talking about leveraging up and i don't think leveraging up is is a sustainable way to wealth because it's sort of your when you're leveraging yourself, you're sort of taking a bet. You're saying, "All right, I'm gonna get this money, borrow this money, and in hopes that this money will make me more money." But that is not the way it works. You need to have savings. You could you could you could bet on your savings. You can't bet on borrow money because then you're sort of hurting two parties versus just hurting yourself. Because that person saved up his money to just lend it to you, and then he's gonna end up losing. Versus if you saved up your money. And you bet wrong, you take the losses, not somebody else. So uh, we need to incentivize Americans to save. And what we're seeing now during this coronavirus is people are not saving. People don't have savings. 
So when their income goes away, people should have savings so that they can eat away and use during these times of crisis. But what we're seeing is people don't have savings, and when crisis strikes them, as they should be prepared for, um, and always, that's why that's the whole point of having savings is to save for a rainy day. And when you see people struggle because they've they they lost their job immediately, they're struggling. It shows you that they don't have savings. And again, ideally, you should have enough money saved up to sustain yourself for four months or four to six months. I think that was the survey because by the time four and six months passes by, you should be able to to look for another job. But people don't even have savings to sustain themselves for the current moment because they're in debt. Um, So as you can see that this is all a problem of the government. The government has made this crisis last even longer and and is making it worse because it made Americans um, unable to, to have accumulated savings because Americans aren't able to save this crisis hurts them even more because now they can't sustain themselves without a job and obviously they're going to lose their job if, if businesses uh, are, are also hit with, the, with this crisis you're also seeing government make it harder for businesses to operate so now the government has more power and the ability to, to, to regulate these businesses even more and to pass even more regulations and then last but not least, you're seeing the government having the ability to manipulate the economy, to manipulate the flow of money, right? By letting, uh, by propping up the stock market, it's obviously going to lower rates, it's going to print more money. And, and this clearly shows how the government and the Fed are working hand in hand. They're, they're sort of one, uh, one entity now. They're no longer two split up entities. So as we can see, this crisis is clearly showing you and it's stripping down the forces of government. And it's it's sort of exposing the government for what it is. And, and the ability uh, uh, to, to affect our lives at the end of the day. I also wanted to add um, the, the taxation part of, of what's been happening. Because again, what government taxes essentially is our savings. Right? Um, if I have income... And I, and I work for an employer and I get income, that income is being taxed. And it's essentially hindering my ability to save my income. Think about all the money that we could have had in excess right now from if the government didn't tax us. Because if you think about it, all the money that's not taxed is, is, is coming back to me. And I could use that money to save for this rainy day. So a lot of these businesses that you know right now can't sustain themselves, um, they could have been able to save, sustain themselves if they had adequate savings that wasn't taxed, and it's sort of this whole this goes into the Keynesian economics in which consuming and spending is inherently good for our economy than savings. But as you can see, this is where this the, this uh, problem unfolds in that. Spending isn't going to do you no good during a time of crisis. Savings is what does you good because savings is what allows you to sustain yourselves uh, even though your income goes out, right? Spending is only good to a certain extent in which I'm able to get the goods. But at the end of the day, savings is, is what allows me to create goods and during a time of crisis to sustain myself. 
Um, and what you see is because the government has taxed us, it's taxed the workers and the businesses, we're both suffering because of this. I, as an individual, might have had adequate savings and, and might have had the ability to sustain myself. Let's say, for example, that I lost my job and I can't. If the government hasn't taxed you know, portions progressively over time uh, from my income. Because the money is, a, is at the end of the day... The money is best at the hands of who earned it because and, it, and it's it's best at the end of the day for the people rather than government because government says, you know what, your income, we believe that we could be more efficient and, and provide a better source of good for your income than if you were to keep it yourself. But that's the complete opposite because, first of all, the the, the government is taxing everybody. So it's sort of it's it sort of has the. It's a net zero effect. If the government sort of doesn't tax everybody, everybody has more wealth. Everybody's better off because they have more money. But supposedly the government wants to tax wealth, take it away from everybody, and then give it back to everybody while also taking its own cut. And I've talked about the the, the, the way the structure works in, in, in a previous podcast. But again, this also shows that when the government taxes us, it's it's getting rid of our ability to save and i mean that's an important freedom right there the ability for me to save my hard or my hard work let's say i worked for for um you know a week and i made a thousand bucks now yeah i might spend 50 of that but i want to save that 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 100 bucks but no the government says i need to tax it and it's hindering my ability to save um and again it incentivizes people to spend because a lot of uh, you know, a lot of people who make excessive amounts of income now they're only incentive and they're only, um, uh, they're they're the thinking is that if I spend the money, I get taxed less than if I save it. And if you think about it, if I'm a millionaire and I made a hundred bucks, a hundred thousand bucks one year, instead of uh, and I tell myself, wait a second, if I save that money, then I get taxed. What if I spend it right away on a car right then and again it's weird how our consumption taxes are lower than our income taxes that's a bit strange but if if an individual then spends that money on on a, on a car they get taxed less so the individual is sort of inclined to consume their money uh and use it to spend it not to consume their money um rather spend it but the individual again is inclined to spend rather than to save and again, um, someone who decides to save the money is actually doing a benefit to society versus someone who just spends the money on himself, right? If Again, as I said with the example before, with that $100,000, if I spend it on a car, I've had an, a very small uh, effect on society. I sort of gained myself, obviously, now I have the, the ability to, to, to ride in luxury, which is a benefit to me. I mean, yeah, I paid the the workers who made that car, and now the comp the company makes a sale. But I've, I could have had a much more positive effect on society if I sort of put my um my my needs and my wants to the side. So instead of benefiting myself, I t- I tell myself, you know what, let me save my money, and I can put my money into a bank account where in which the bank can then make investments and, and lend out the money to to other businesses and for other businesses to grow. And I can imp- have an impact on a much more larger scale than if I were to just 
purchase a car and benefit that single company. If I save my money, it can have a much more positive net, uh, net positive effect on society. And then, not only that, but you get rewarded for that because now you can gain uh, a profit on the money that you, you, you save and you can gain interest on that money. So it's a huge net positive if an individual saves his money versus if he spends it. And the system that we have now incentivizes people to spend their money rather than to save it. And any money that isn't spent should be saved, but then that money gets taxed. So any money that gets taxed is money that could have been saved for the individual or for a business in this case. And this also leads to people not having adequate saving during these times of crisis and in which they're more inclined to get to demand government assistance. And again, this is the cycle. Government taxes you. It gets rid of your ability to save money um, and accumulate wealth. Obviously, during its during a rainy day, you're able to use your accumulated wealth and reap the benefits of saving. So the government takes away your ability to saving, of saving money. And then when a time of crisis comes, you can't use your savings. Who do you look to? Uh, who do you look to for support? The government. So it's just a cycle. And obviously, again, we're seeing that unfold now, where people are out of savings. And if only they weren't taxed on on their entire uh, accumulated income over the years, they would have had more savings now. I mean, this is the whole point of having money is to 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 prepare yourself during a time of crisis. It's to, and again, it's all the ability to save. And we're seeing that unfold. And again, we could talk hours and hours about consuming and saving and how, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, consuming spe- slash spending. I, I don't know why I, always get, uh, I use the word consuming instead of spending, but it, I'm, I'm, I'm basically saying the same thing. Um, spending versus savings. And those are two opposite ends. And I think savings is inherently more important than spending and the government inclines us to spend our money more so that during times of crisis we don't have the money saved up and then we could look towards the government for support and i feel like people need to realize that um so anyways that's the end of the podcast again hopefully i didn't uh i stayed consistent on my points and i didn't get off topic because i realized i I tend to do that a lot just because there's so much information to get out at once that i tend to just start skipping trying to get everything at once but i think i should sort of focus more on individual topics and sort of control myself and save my knowledge you see here's where saving comes in handy and then uh use use uh other videos to explain what i'm trying to get at instead of trying to compile everything into one so i hope you guys enjoyed this stay safe and i'll see you in the next episode thanks for listening